On my research, we're, we're mainly looking at uh, trying to maintain a low stomach pH in that uh, nursery pig for the first two or three weeks post weaning until really that, that gastrointestinal tract fully develops. So when the pig is, is on the sow, um, it's consuming milk from the sow's milk. So that bacterial fermentation is happening. So that's where the main source of stomach acidity is coming from. But ultimately, once that pig's weaned and they have a low feed intake, and even though there may be lactose present in the diet, ultimately its feed intake is not high enough to maintain a low stomach pH and hydrochloric acid production is limited. So really my research has been focused on trying to incorporate low acid binding ingredients that help to maintain uh, that low stomach pH in that young pig uh, to help with uh, health status of the gastrointestinal tract, um, as well as utilizing nutrients to the best of their ability. A whole new era of communication in the Canadian swine industry is coming. Now you have the brightest minds of the Canadian and global swine industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium giving young animals a healthy start. Swine Veterinary Partners comprises four well-established clinics across Canada, Precision Veterinary Services, Premier SHP, Demeter Ontario, and Demeter Quebec. Our nutrition group includes four companies, Nutrition Athena, Shakespeare Mill, Farmhouse, and Nutrition Partners, which serve swine producers all across Canada. Welcome to the Swine It Podcast Show Canada, a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the Canadian and global swine industry. Working with nature and not against it, Piglets Fed AX3 see significant and improved feed efficiency. Producers know the reality of needing to reduce antibiotic and zinc use. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible novel protein that promotes improved in-barn performance piglet health and minimizes the need for zinc in the diet for more information visit www.protecta.com that's www.protekta.com good morning everybody and welcome to today's episode of the swine canada podcast show Uh, i am dan columbus and i'll be your host for today's episode and with me today i have ethan stass who is a PhD student at Kansas State University. Uh, so welcome, Ethan, to the show. Yep, thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be on the show, and it's good to see you. Yeah, it would be an interesting topic to, to talk about today and what you're doing for your, I assume, for your PhD research. Um, but before we get into that, because people might not know, especially that you're in K-State and this is uh, the Canadian show, that they might not know who you are. So just ask you to kind of introduce yourself and let us know about your journey so far. Yep. So uh, just some background on myself. So I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Um, I did my undergraduate degree at Pennsylvania State University um, and then moved into a master's program with the swine nutrition uh, group here at Kansas State and then finished that up um, roughly a year and a half ago and have been working on my Ph.D. 
uh, ever since. I think everybody will be very familiar with the this wine group down there. I think they've made a big name for themselves. Uh, uh, but today we're here to talk about your research. And so you've indicated that you are working on uh, acid binding capacity, which I think a lot of people are probably aware of the importance of or the benefits, say, of acidification of diets and water and stuff like that and why we want acid, but this is kind of taking a different take on it. So uh, just we'll start with, you know, what is acid binding capacity and why should we be looking at this? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, on my research, we're, we're mainly looking at uh, trying to maintain a low stomach pH in that uh, nursery pig for the first two or three weeks post weaning until really that that gastrointestinal tract fully develops. So when the pig is is on the sow, um, it's consuming milk from the sow's milk. So that bacterial fermentation is happening. So that's where the main source of stomach acidity is coming from. But ultimately, once that pig's weaned and they have a low feed intake, and even though there may be lactose present in the diet, Ultimately, its feed intake is not high enough to maintain a low stomach pH and hydrochloric acid production is limited. So really, my research has been focused on trying to incorporate low acid binding ingredients that help to maintain uh, that low stomach pH in that young pig uh, to help with uh, health status of the gastrointestinal tract, um, as well as utilizing nutrients to the best of their ability. Yeah, so you mentioned you know low acid binding ingredients. So what what characteristic are you looking for then, or how do you test that, or or, or characterize them in that way? Yeah, so I think the the first thing to probably describe that would be um, discussing how we really measure it in the lab. Um, so first, before we applied it on the the actual pig side in the diets, uh, we analyzed very ing- various ingredients. Um, and what we do is we take half a gram sample, uh, we suspend that in distilled deionized water, and then we titrate that with uh, hydrochloric acid until we reach a stable pH of four. Um, and then from there, we can calculate uh, the ABC4 value of that ingredient. And then ultimately, the ingredients that make up the diet, we can calculate the value of the complete diet being fed to the pig as well. Uh, but there's there's uh, there's various ingredients that can affect the ABC4 value of the diet. Um, first off being cereal grains. Um, so cereal grains, although they may have a lower value compared to most other ingredients, because they make up such a large portion of the diet, they can influence it quite a bit. Um, so, for example, wheat-based diets are going to have much lower um acid binding capacity values than that of a corn-based diet. Um, With protein sources, protein sources we found can vary uh, greatly. So really uh, the protein source and how that compares to conventional soybean meal or or whatever the main protein source may be uh, plays a big factor as well. And then Mm -hmm. also obviously things like uh, um, uh, minerals such limestone, can raise the ABC4 value quite a bit. And then also, obviously, acidifier inclusion uh, will help to lower the acid binding value of the diet as well. Right. So you've been measuring the the ABC4 value and the different ingredients. Is, is there a way 
based on what's in that ingredient to predict what its binding capacity is going to be? Or do you have to do the lab test in order to determine that? Yep. So that's a good question. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely uh, one thing that can influence the value and, and you kind of get an idea of what the value may be is the level of calcium that's present um, in that sample. For example, uh, we know that limestone's oftentimes added into soybean meal to help with flowability. So the level of limestone that gets added into soybean meal is going to further raise the ABC4 value of the diet. So really, um, when we think of those uh, minerals, specifically calcium and maybe some others such as magnesium, um, the, the more level of those minerals in certain ingredients, the higher the ABC4 value is going to be. Once you have the values, how do you incorporate incorporate that into the feed formulation? It, like, are they additive or is there a different way that you uh, can incorporate them? Yep. So right now we, we treat them um, as if they were additive in the diet. Um, so all of our ingredients that are being included in the diet have um, basically loading values, just like we would with nutrients. Uh, they have values for their acid binding capacity. So we utilized in that in the complete diet to ultimately come up with the overall diet value. Um, so that's what we do from an ingredient side. Now, we don't necessarily know if it's completely additive. One thing that we found is that when we actually analyze the complete diet, their acid binding values are usually lower than what we formulate them to. Um, we don't specifically know exactly why this may be, but it may be, um, it may be partially due to certain ingredients that may have very high values, but are included at low percentages, such as uh, the premixes or limestone or zinc oxide or or something along those lines. But but yeah, right. So I, I assume you've done some studies in this area to kind yep. of look at that. So maybe we'll just get into what what specific studies you've done and what you found. Yep. So we've done um, a couple studies now. Uh, the first study we did was really evaluating the concept the concept of low acid binding formulation and high acid binding formulation. So really, we had two different uh, ABC four levels. Um, and then those diets were either with or without zinc oxide. So it was really a, a two by two factorial study. Um, and what we found in that study is that when zinc oxide was not present, pigs fed a low ABC4 diet had improved average daily gain, improved feed efficiency. They had a lower instance of removals and mortality. So that study really opened up the potential opportunities to low ABC4 diet formulation. From that, we conducted a few other studies, uh, really uh, evaluating the ABC4 level of the diet and what may be optimal or even possible based on the ingredients that we can utilize. Uh, the, the first study was basically a titration, uh, evaluating the ABC4 level. Um, and what we found based on ABC4 level is pretty much as we increase the ABC4 level of the diet, we saw a pretty linear response that as that acid binding capacity level increases, we not only see a reduction in growth performance, but also we see a lot more diarrhea prevalence and, and looser consistency of those feces. So that study 
really showed us that those low ABC4 diets can help us to improve nutrient utilization, also um, uh, less occurrence of that post-weaning diarrhea that's often prevalent in young pigs. Yeah, so w- I guess with that f- first study, my f- my first question, so when you did your different levels of ABC4, is that confirmed in the diet with a test or is that what you formulated? Yep, so um, the when we formulate to low ABC4 levels, uh, the formulated uh, values is what we went by. We did analyze those values uh, just to confirm that what we formulated to was similar to what we uh, had analyzed. Um, and what we found was, like I said, the analyzed values were lower than the formulated values, but the trend was still the same, that the low ABC4 diets were much lower in their ABC4 value than the high ABC4 diets based on our formulation. Right. Did, did you do anything in the pig itself, like confirm the acidity or pH in the stomach or digestibility or anything? No, no. For that first study, we did not. Um, the, the first one was a commercial study, so it was on a large operation, and it was really just uh, um, testing the concept of it and seeing if, okay, do, do these low ABC formulation strategies, uh, will they have a potential benefit in these pigs? Right. So I, I guess then my last question with, with these ones then is because you ta- you formulated these different diets. So I guess everybody's going to ask, what was the difference in the formulation? <laughs> yep. You know, what, what ingredients did you put in your low versus your high or how, how did you adjust that? Yep. So uh, really, like I said, we've I've mentioned uh, a few ingredient strategies to be able to lower the ABC4 value of the diet. Really, for these studies, we utilized two strategies to get to low ABC4 values. Uh, the first being we utilized a, uh, a specialty uh, soy protein source that has a very low uh, ABC4 value, specifically negative um, 13 milliequivalents per kilogram. And then uh, we also utilized um, a combination of fumaric and formic acid to hit that low ABC4 target. And then uh, to increase ABC4 value, ultimately, we either replaced that uh, specialty soy protein source with another soy protein source that has a high uh, acid binding capacity value, or we reduced the level of acidifiers. Yeah. Okay. Um, So you you did mention, too, that this was observed without zinc in the diet. So. I guess that, you know, my thought is then, so with, with zinc, you didn't see this, does it like totally eliminate any potential effects that you'd have? Yeah. So, um, so that's some, some area research. I think we need to revisit moving forward is can we still get a benefit, uh, to low ABC for diet formulation with zinc oxide in the diet as well? Cause most of the studies we've done, is been in diets without zinc oxide. Now we we always have a positive control or a diet containing zinc oxide. And what we found is the the low acid binding diet, even without zinc oxide, can f- perform to similar levels as our positive control. But I do think we need to reevaluate potential low ABC for uh, formulation in addition to zinc oxide in the diet. Um, that gets a little tricky from a, a formulation standpoint because yeah. zinc oxide also has a very high uh, acid, bi- acid binding value. So being able to formulate to a low value with zinc oxide in the diet is a real challenge. 
Um, but I do think it is an area of opportunity moving forward. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking, right? Because these are both potential strategies, you know, yep. to improve the health of the animal and product productivity of the animal. You know, zinc oxide very well shown that uh, those high levels are, are beneficial. Uh, but if they are, if they're not going to work together, then that that may complicates things, right? Yep. Um, and then, but also with your research, this is potentially one of those tools because you know I think everybody knows that eventually we're going to be limited in, in zinc oxide uh, yeah. use, right? Or, or zinc use, I should say zinc oxide. But yeah, that, that, so we, we need to look at the different ways of, of promoting this. So uh, you, you did mention that your second study was looking at optimal levels. So I will, did you find that there is an optimal level uh, to, to reach or maybe like uh, at least you have to be below that? Yeah, so what we... So based on European recommendations, uh, we really formulated uh, our first study to 150 milliequivalents per kilogram for the first seven to 10 days uh, after weaning. And then they recommend that we bump that up uh, to around 200 milliequivalents per kilogram uh, for the next two weeks, um, basically until that pig's about uh, three to four weeks post weaning. Um, so that's what we started off formulating to was to those low levels of 150 and 200. And then, like I said, we titrated that up. Uh, one thing that we found is to get to that low level is pretty difficult. Um, and what we found in our first study is actually the low ABC4 diet did have uh, reduced feed intake and, and a little lower average daily gain. And we think that's just because of the level of acidifiers that we had to utilize um, mm -hmm. So actually what we found based on our studies uh, was the optimal level was around 200 milliequivalents for the first seven to 10 days and then 250 there afterwards. Um, so that's where we found the most benefit. And again, it may be more beneficial to go to lower levels, but in, in a corn-based diet and uh, without getting too high on acidifier inclusion, those lower levels are pretty difficult to get to. Yeah. So is that level, even even the one that you kind of identified, is that possible to achieve without the acidifiers or, or is that kind of like a critical component? Uh, it's it's possible to achieve, but there's, there's a number of different ingredient strategies to get to that low level. So in our formulation, we utilized um, acidifiers, as I mentioned, uh, the low ABC4 uh, protein source, but we also utilize crystalline lactose opposed to like whey permeate or whey powder uh, because that's associated with a very low ABC4 value as well. Um, so it was a it was a combination of different things to get to that low ABC4 level. So it is difficult. Um, it's possible to get to that lower level, but um, it requires a, a, a number of different ingredient strategies to get there. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what are what are the next steps? Like what are what are you guys thinking for what that's coming up in the future? Yep. So I think there's a, there's a couple things we'll go down and and continue to evaluate. Uh, one would be like I mentioned uh, a potential combination of not only low ABC four diets but also zinc oxide to see if we can maybe maybe get an added benefit. Um, we really want to go back and put it back into a commercial setting to see if we can get um, promising results um, 
with commercial pigs opposed to our university farms here and, and specifically seeing if we can get not only a consistent response and growth performance, but also on uh, the fecal consistency, as I mentioned as well. Um, and I think we also need to continue to evaluate um, formulation strategies to maybe get maybe make it easier to get to those lower ABC4 levels. And maybe those very low levels are not necessarily uh, most optimal, but is there a balance between performance and economic formulation to get the, the optimal ABC4 value as well? Because um, most of the diets I've seen throughout the industry, the, the acid binding capacity is pretty high in those diets. So maybe... Um, at a lower level, not maybe as low as we have been going, but maybe even a slightly lower level that we are currently in the industry can provide uh, an, a little bit of a benefit there as well. Yeah, a, a lot of questions and factors that will come into play. I'm, I'll be interested to see your results. Early life is really, and nursery diets is really one of the areas that I'm most interested in. So I'll be watching for your papers <laughs> when, when they come out. So. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be pretty obvious, but I ask everybody, you know, if there's a take home message that you want our listeners to, to get from today's episode, what would that be? Uh, my take home message would probably would probably be that those pigs that were weaning off of these sows, um, even though we may be pushing to, to greater weaning ages in the industry now, uh, they still have a relatively immature gastrointestinal tract. So uh, we should always be looking at ways that we can improve the health status and uh, nutrient utilization of those young pigs to get them off to a better start and ultimately uh, uh, lead to more opportunities down the line as well. Yeah, you know, great message. It's time for our famous three. So before I let you go, we ask all of our guests uh, three questions. I don't know if you did this on your other episode, but I'll ask you again anyway. Uh, so the first one, and being a student, this one will be interesting, is what is your uh, favorite swine resource? So your, your go-to every time you have a question. Uh, my favorite swine resource would probably be the professors we have here at uh, Kansas State. <laughs> so we're, I'm lucky that we have five uh, professors here at Kansas State. So um, if I have a question most likely one of them is going to have a pretty darn good answer. And they've, uh, they've had a lot of experiences in the industry. So uh, they're probably definitely my biggest resource here. <laughs> they behind the camera. Uh, <laughs> making you say uh, that? <laughs> nope, nope, they're upstairs right now. Yeah. So. No, I, 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 yeah, I'm just, yeah. obviously the people and, and, you know, we all know that the, the ones down there are doing great work and have a lot of information. So I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, so our next one is when you think out, out, outside the box, outside of agriculture and swine, you know, a favorite book that you've read recently or would always recommend. Uh, probably my favorite book that I've read. So, um, it's a book called quiet. So, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty introverted type of person. Uh, so this book was really about how to, to optimize being an introvert in, in maybe an industry that values, uh, uh, communication and a lot of, uh, interaction with people. So that was a book that I found, uh, was very helpful on on uh, letting me communicate with people and and building relationships within the industry as well. 
Well, I'm going to have to look that one up because, you know, it, it, people are always surprised, but I'm not as extroverted as I see. Yeah. So it's one of those things, you know, and, and we always uh, we we reward the people that are outspoken and, and are loud, for lack of a better word, yep. and not so much the ones that are quiet. So, yeah, definitely have to look that one up. And then so our, our, our last one. And you, you just mentioned you have a, a number of them right there. So when you look at uh, the leaders that you've had in your life or mentors, um, I don't know if you want to, if you can bring in swine producers that you've worked with, right? Like what are, what's a characteristic of, of those people that tend to be more successful uh, or are better leaders uh, than maybe those that are? Yeah, I would say um, one characteristic that I've noticed across the industry on the, on people that seem to be real successful and, and uh, have led to promising things throughout the industry is, is really critical thinking and uh, asking um, a lot of questions and, and really thinking through the process of, of our formulation strategies or our health status or, or marketing tools or whatever it may be in, in the swine industry. Those people that continue to critical think and ask questions on uh, why we're doing something or what's the, the thought process behind um, some various strategy. So uh, critical thinking has been one thing that I've noticed is, is uh, been pretty prevalent across our industry, which I think is a good thing. So, Yeah, no, definitely a good thing. Uh, well, I will thank you once again for coming on the show, sharing some of the work that you've been doing, results, and like I said, we're, I think we'll all look forward to the future results that you uh, that you find. So we'll, we'll make sure to bring you back on and, and let our audience know about you, about your findings. Perfect. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wise Minutes, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time-consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.